0: I uh, verse five, traditionally, to me, has been my, just the, my favorite part of Psalms 23, because of the picture that it presents. Um, but as i I've had the opportunity just to converse with some people that know uh, Jewish culture better than I do, and and do some study, and it's become even more alive. Um, and another interesting transition within the psalm. Uh, and so I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to highlight again the relational progression of Psalms 23 that we've been considering together. There's a, there's a progression, and I know up to this point, it, it may be not as obvious, but it's about to become very obvious, and so I just want to make sure that we, we, we get this shift that happens in verse 5 again, um, and I want to connect it with the other two that have happened. Uh, and so t- t- to help us with that, sometimes I need another picture to help me understand what I'm looking at, and so I uh, want to create a setting in our imaginations that would probably be a bit more familiar to each of us so that we can grasp what's transpiring in Psalms 23. Now, each of us at some point have probably had someone that we admired and wanted to stick close to. Um, And I I always have a a picture in my head. You know, when I was younger in grade school, um, I was short, round, and I had thick glasses which made me a target for some bullying. And of course, some of those things have changed. I'll let you decide which ones. Uh, my mom always called me Husky, and I always knew that that was a nice word for fat, right? And uh, so that was, that was kind of, uh, I, I always um, felt lacking, right and then and just felt a need to have somebody else in my life that could make up in some of those and so there were some people in my life that I admired and I wanted to stick close to those and one of those was a was a good grade school friend who was really kind of an average kid I look back now he's rather small frame not a not a big guy but uh he was known for the fact that he wasn't afraid to throw down with anybody and he'd step up quick and um the girls kind of liked him, and the guys respected him. And so I looked at him, and he was my friend, and I enjoyed spending some time with him. So he, he was a person I admired and wanted to stick close to. And I believe in all of our lives, at some point, we've had somebody like that. I, wanted, I want you to draw that person kind of into what we're doing because it helps us to understand it's not the strongest illustration, but it cracks the door and lets us peek in. Okay. So don't take this and just overlay it and go, "Oh, yeah, that's what's happened." Well, this is yeah, this is this is weak sauce, I know, but it helps. All right. So I've I've got my friend in mind and I'm going to draw him in, use him, and hopefully you can relate to this in some way if you've got in mind somebody that you go, "Yeah, there was a person I admired them for some of the strengths and the things that they brought to my life and I wanted to be around them and I'm going to use my friend." So um yeah uh, when i was with my friend i was more at ease um because of some of the deficiencies that i recognized in myself uh nobody likes to be bullied and and he helped ease some of those issues i hope we've had it, all had a chance to experience somebody like that whether friend or family and i say that mine was a friend maybe yours was a brother or a sister or an uncle or a dad or a boss or whoever it was uh, and we've we've drawn that person in, and so we're gonna go to uh verses one through three and we're following relational transitions we're gonna gonna do this the in verses one through three um, we find that the sheep are declaring that they are With the shepherd. Okay. The sheep are saying we are with the shepherd. And when we are with the shepherd, there is a level of comfort that comes with the proximity of nearness. There was a level of comfort that came when I was near my friend. Um, The sheep are comforted by what the shepherd is providing them. In the first three verses, we see provision. Right? Pastures and quiet waters, and he's restoring my soul, and he's providing guidance. Right? And the sheep are comforted by that because they are with him. Okay? That's a position. It's a relational position, right? Get that? Get that? All right. All right. Uh, My friend was like that. Uh, If I begin to feel a little strain on my puniness. I would lean on the relational clout he provided and I would tell people I I I still remember being places he um his dad was from the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation had grown up in Great Falls um and they were they their name was kind of like the Downing name in the canyon only in Great Falls the Amelines oh well okay, go ahead, whatever, do what you want, you know, I don't, so it was kind of like that, because same thing, they just, um, they, they weren't afraid to do what they needed to do to get it done, and so I would go places with my friend, and, and uh, you know, I'm like, wow, I feel out of place, you know, it's, it's obvious, I'm, I'm short, I'm round, I have big glasses, I look like a target, hey, maybe we should pick on that guy, uh, I'm with him, right, I'm with him, oh, all right, you know, we'll let you in because you're with him. And, 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 and I knew that relational proximity. And that's a, it's, a, it's a bad picture, but it's a picture of what the sheep say, right? I'm with him. Yeah, I know I'm a sheep. I know I don't belong here. But, you know, he provides the things that I need. He brings me along, right? He lets me be here. It's a, it's a, it's a place of proximity to the shepherd there with him. And the shepherd offers the sheep that level of comfort and availability. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place that he offers. He doesn't say it's a bad place, but he doesn't say it's the best place. That's why David keeps going. Uh, It is a place of relationship, but it's really the lowest level of relational intimacy. I think, I think we need to understand this. I I really, the reason I want to do this is because you can, you can stay in any one of these you want to. And I would say it's a great place to be, but it's not the place I want to stay where my relationship with the Lord is based on what he provides for me. And I'm with him. Right? I have his name. I let people know I'm with him. Okay, you can, you can be there. He provides that, but it's not the best place to be. It's not a bad place to be, but it's not the best place to be. And so David keeps going. And we get to verse four. Verse four reveals a different relational place. With the shepherd, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I will say, I, I mentioned before, I found myself in some tough spots with my friend, but it, it was just some of the normal uncomfortableness of life just because of who I was and and he provided some things that ease that but then there are times when you're in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death and i talked about that it it um in the the hebrew it is uh compared to hades um and it or a like a mine shaft a place where the darkness is so real that you feel it right uh now it's not just somebody picking on you it's somebody They're going to lay hands on you. Okay? And the sheep are in a tough spot. And the provision of proximity to the shepherd is no longer of any value. The, The enemy doesn't care anymore when I say I'm with him. Because it's just a statement of proximity. The sheep need the person of the shepherd. Okay um, there's a difference between knowing the name of Jesus and knowing the person of Jesus. Um, okay, I won't go into that sermon uh, My grade school friend he would also help me out in in an area like this um, and, and and help me with my understanding of of this area of relationship because sometimes my friend stepped in and vocalized and said, hey, he's with me. Okay. There's a difference, isn't there? Uh, I'm with him. Yeah, whatever, punk. Hey, take your hands off him. He's with me. Oh, okay. See, now you're not dealing with what I said. Now you're dealing with the authority, right? It's a position of relationship with the Lord that he wants us to come into. Now, I will say this. He, he, My friend, and I think this is very important to understand, my friend understood that I needed to get a spine too. Now, this is where I say some of this, we we, we got to kind of filter through some of this. He didn't always do that, right? I had to be in a tough spot before he did that. He goes, eh, eh, Schmidt needs my help. He needs my help. He needs me to show up because this has gotten beyond him, okay? Um, sometimes we're a little soft. Oh, God, help me. God goes, come on. I've I've given you enough to do this. Come on. Keep coming. Keep oh, I can't. If you ever get a chance, uh, you can go to the library and you can rent an audiobook called Hank's a cow dog. They are so funny. There's a dog on there named Drover. And anytime, so Hank is the head of ranch security. That's what he calls himself. He's a dog. Drover's his comrade. And anytime Hank commands Drover to go do something he thinks that's hard, Drover goes, oh, my leg, my leg, <laughs> darned old leg. Right. Sometimes I think we're like that. Jesus goes, "Come on." Oh, my leg! Oh, my leg! Got it. And he goes, "No, no." Oh, come on! Uh, be be with me. He goes, "Come on, come on, let's go." Uh, my friend would step in, but he didn't do it all the time. Y- you notice, David says, "Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for He is with me." Um. Sometimes we're comforted in a way, and then we want God to comfort us that way all the time. And if he doesn't, we become a little disenchanted. Don't don't do that. This is, there's a place that he does this, but there's a reason that he does this. And God stands up and he says, no, uh, take your hands off. They're with me. And the sheep are comforted by that. Not because of their proximity, but because now the shepherd, right himself is with them. It's not me telling somebody I'm with him, it's him telling somebody that I'm with him, right? They're with me so it's a it, it, it's a shift it's a shift from relational proximity to that of the ownership of the relationship um it, it, it's really a statement, take your mitts off or I'm going to put my mitts on you. It's kind of like that, right? Um, and, and it goes on to say that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And so again, this is comfort. Comfort is being offered. Um, very interesting. As much as my friend protected me, stepped up and did that, he also corrected me for my own protection. He would tell me, hey, Schmidt, don't go there, right? Next time you go there, I'm going to let him have you. Don't, don't. How many of you have ever met the kid who had a 100 pound body and a 400 pound mouth, right? Like his body could not cash the checks his mouth is writing, and he finds a big friend and he hides behind him and runs his mouth, right? My friend wouldn't let me do that. He's like, hey, if you want a 400 pound mouth, you better get a 400 pound body. Like, I'm telling you this time, next time I'm not going to step in if you do that, right? Uh, There is a a dynamic of that. His correction is protection, right? His rod and his staff, his protection and his correction, they comfort me. So it's much more personal, isn't it? That that verse 4 is much more personal, much more personal. It's not me standing at a distance making a claim, it's it's me coming under the protective hand of my shepherd, him acting on my behalf. Um, The shepherd offers this level of comfort and confidence to the sheep as well, but this is not yet the best experience of relational intimacy. Now, I want to say the first two Places are places of comfort. He comforts us. He does things that comfort us. Now, verse 5, it changes. It changes again. Verse 5, let me, let me read it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Uh, verses 5 and 6 are both going to fall into this last um, Category. Uh, in, in some of the commentaries from those who study the Hebrew language and culture, we're told that there's a shift in verse 5 from that of a shepherd to that of a host. So, again, very interesting how sometimes our subtitles, right, that are put in, and we just read it, and we go, oh, the whole thing's about a shepherd. Actually, they say it's really not. In verse 5, it shifts and transitions from a shepherd to a host. And I was talking to somebody about this, and they go, it's really not a big step in the culture. Um, You just got to understand the culture. Oh, okay. So we're going to do some of that, um, and it's going to take some time. And so I want to kind of unpack some things today as we consider what's happening here. We need to talk about the host more. but I want to put an anchor stake here back with my friend. And, and I just kind of want to draw him in and, and just show a picture as, as we move on. As much as I enjoyed and appreciated my friend out there, I cherished the times that he invited me into his house to enjoy his stuff with him. All right, here's the shift. We're going from somebody out there who does stuff for us to someone who calls us their friend. They now are ministering to us, and it's on a different relational plane. Yeah, out there, I provide for you, and I comfort you, and I protect you, but come to my table and eat with me. Well, I'll tell you what. That was a place I enjoyed with my friend when I was invited to his house to share with him and what he had to spend the night, to watch a show, to have a meal. It was different. It was different. And I want to tell you the difference. Out here we're comforted. But when he becomes the host, I rest. And there's a difference between being comforted And resting. Now, comfort can lead to rest, but it is not a substitute for rest. And too many times we will settle for being comforted, and we never know rest. You see, rest here is happening in the presence of his enemies. Where out here I was just finding comfort. Now he says, I'm going to show you what rest is. So interesting in Hebrews it says be diligent to enter the rest of God There's a rest for the people of God I I would say I've I've been in one of the first two relational places most of my Christian life known very little rest very little rest because rest, the rest that he provides as the host is not affected by the circumstances that surround me. I don't sit at the table and go, oh, I need to be comforted. No, I'm resting. I'm resting now in who he is. Um, And there's a difference. And David says, you know what? You've been invited to this. You can dwell in any of these places that you wish. You're not going to be rebuked for being a sheep. But this is the heart of the shepherd is to lead you to this place. We see it um, in John 15 verses 15 and 16. Jesus says to his disciples, no longer do I call you slaves, for slaves do not know what their master is doing, but I call you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask, my Father in my name, he may give you. There's a shift. Jesus goes, okay, you followed me. You've allowed me to guide you in the path of righteousness. You've allowed me to do these things. Now, I'm going to host you. And we see this in the Last Supper, don't we? We're we're about to experience it on April 3rd. We're going to see a little more fully what that Last Supper looked like in in the Passover Seder. But Jesus washes their feet. He serves them. He hosts them. He is the host of the meal. He invites them to his table in the presence of their enemies. And it's a new place in their relationship with him. It's a place that God calls us to. But you can't skip the other two. That's what I want to say. You you grow in those and there creates a hunger for more. But it's a willingness that takes you there. And I'm not talking about a willingness. Yeah, I'm willing to go. But the willingness of submission, the willingness of repentance, the willingness of humility, and the postures that those create in our lives open the way for us to be able to experience, right, the host, the host. God's forgiveness was free. But everything after that, we have to choose. We do. He made it available, right? He redeemed us. Why? So that he could revive us, so that he could restore us. But do you want that? Oh, yeah, I want it. Do you want it his way? No, no, I want it my way. Right? I love going to restaurants where I order it my way could you please change that order of fries to hash browns with brown gravy? Night Owl does that for me, by the way. Mmm, I love it. Um, so, as I said, my, my examples of this with my friend have, have fallen miserably short, but they do crack the door and help us to see um, into what is being said in Psalms 23. And so um, I want us to look at the host. I want us to consider the host and hospitality in the ancient culture. Um, To get the gravity of what David is saying, you have to understand what it really meant to be a host in those days. Hospitality was not having somebody over for a decent meal and a game of gin rummy, okay hospitality of that day i don't even think you could put it in the same room with what we call hospitality today and i'm not and i'm not saying we need to go back and do this i 'm just saying it was so much different culturally, it was so different it meant uh, it meant something that we don't even comprehend today. And you have to understand that. You have to grab that to get what David is saying and and really the weightiness of what's being brought forward. Hospitality towards others, which included their safety, their care, and their provision, was an opportunity which hosts took with the greatest seriousness enough that they would offer some of their most valued possessions in the process of being the host. It, it, I, 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 I tell you, I, I struggle to even find the words I, I get because I've been told, and I've, I've, there's other examples that I, I don't even have to bring to you today, but being a host, to be a bad host um, would be like... Um, being the CEO of Enron right now, right? Literally, that's the weight. Like everybody knew if you were a bad host and like, Oh my goodness, it would be better off if you went out in the boat in the middle of the lake, hung a millstone around your neck and jumped in. It would be better to do that. You would be thought of better if you did that than if you were a bad host, serious business. It was serious business. Um, And, and I want the specific gravity of some stories in Genesis uh, to bring some weight as we try to fathom what we're being told in Psalms 23. And so we're gonna to go to Genesis chapter 18. There's it's really not two stories, it's one story, but there's two events. And both of these center around a host. So Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to read verse 16. And uh, they'll be up on the screen, kind of split up, but I'll just read a little slower. Now the Lord appeared. So this is Abraham, okay? Abraham. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, there were three men standing opposite him. And When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. Okay, notice the posture of the host. Is it any wonder that Peter said the things he said when Jesus tried to wash his feet? Because Peter recognized that Jesus was becoming the host. And he's like, oh no, like we should do this for you. And Jesus said, unless you allow me to host you, you have no part in me. It's pretty important. All right, so the the posture of the host. Uh, And Abraham said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass by your servant Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring you a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour. Knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and choice calf, gave it to the servant and he hurried to prepare it. Uh, Abraham didn't run to Canyon Foods and get Chester chicken, did he? He's bringing out the good stuff. Fine flour, tender choice calf. He took the curds and milk and the calf, which he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Notice now he is standing in the heat of the day. The guests are seated in the shade, eating. The host, the best. He brought the best. Hosting was um, one of the highest things that you could do. Verse 16. Once you see this, we're going to come back to this. Then the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom. This is the... All right, there's a conversation that happens about the child and and Sodom and and they're coming down to destroy it. Uh, And these men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. We're going to come back to that. That is a very important statement. We see it in Psalms 23. Hospitality was when the good stuff came out. The guests did not ask for this, but Abraham implored them to join him, right? This wasn't the neighbor that imposes themselves on you anytime they smell you baking pies or the barbecues going. This was, he saw them, he implored them, and he brought out the best. It was just part of hosting. It's part of the culture of being a host it's all part of this weighs in on, on what we're going to learn in Psalms 23. And I don't believe, um, you might go, well, Abraham did all this because he knew it was angels. Eh, I don't think he did. I don't believe in any way Abraham knew who he was being hospitable to when he decided to be a host. As I thought about that yesterday, I thought of this passage of Scripture. Very interesting. Hebrews 13, 2. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to who? The Hebrews. And if you were going to talk about angels and hosting, right? Listen to what this says. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Who do you think he's referring to? Abraham. Abraham. Um, So on to Genesis 19, just next chapter, right? So uh, Abraham has a conversation with the Lord about now it's been revealed to him what's happening. And so Abraham has this conversation with the Lord about 50 righteous, blah, blah, blah. Will you destroy the city? The angels go down and here we find them coming to Sodom. Genesis 19 verses one through eight. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of the Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down. Ah, and he, Any similarities between what Abraham did? Yep. All right. So Lot's about to host. He bowed down with his face to the ground, and he said, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, and when you rise early and go on, and then rise early and go on your way. And they answered, No, we're going to spend the night in the square. But he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he prepared a feast for them a feast. This wasn't, you know, I got, I got some lasagna left over. No, this was a feast. He prepared a feast. These guys got to be full. I mean, they've been eating all day long. He prepared a feast for them and he baked some unleavened bread and they ate. And before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old, All the people from every quarter, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may have relations with them. I guess the cry against Sodom was as bad as what God heard. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now, behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as as they have come under the shelter of my roof. The gravity of being a host is never more weighty than it is right here. I don't think you'll find a weightier description of being a host in all of Scripture than what we find right here with Lot. Um... We, we see repeated some of the patterns Abraham exhibited in petitioning the guests to stay the night and share a meal. Um, but after verse 3, if you're just a casual reader, you're going to hold Lot up and you're going to say to yourself, what type of twisted puppy would offer his daughters to a bunch of Roman 1, Romans chapter 1, if you don't know what that is, read Romans 1. It talks about what happens to people when they're left to their own understanding when they deny God. It describes it to a T. We see it in Sodom, but a bunch of Romans 1 perverts outside the house. 30 lashes for Lot and a few more for good measure. Lot can look worse than the people who showed up at his door. Who offers their kids to these type of people? What's wrong with you? Those angels can take care of themselves. Right? Have you ever read that story and go, what's wrong with him? Like, I forgot about the people outside. What's wrong with Lot? Have you been here too long, you weak willed yellow? (laughs) Now, before you lynch old Lot, let's consider what's transpiring. You have to get this it's not whether he was right or wrong in what he did. We have to understand that this was the very essence of being a host. You would protect your guests even at the cost of your own family. Host and hospitality was serious business. You took seriously the life, the care, the provision, the protection of those who had entered under your roof. And that's exactly what Lot said. Do not touch these men that have entered under my roof. Lot is being a hospitable host in the ancient culture. And I'm not asking whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is the weightiness of hosting. Because we're seeing a picture of God hosting us. We need to understand how serious it was to be a host. When David begins to speak to us, about our shepherd in terms of a host the weight of who is towards us is off the charts he is much more than a provider and a protector now i'm going to i'm going to use a play on words but he is the lord of hosts he is the lord of hosts and i'm i'm going to close here i'm going to close here uh, i know you don't believe that cuz it's not 12:30 yet but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close here, considering this story and its implications to us as the guests at the host table in the presence of our enemies. Now I want to I set Lot off to the side for a minute, because I know we still have feelings about Lot, um, But I want to consider a similar situation. So we got Lot and we go, yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know." Like, I wouldn't do that. I don't think anybody in their right mind would do that. I don't know how any good father could do that. I really, really don't, right? And we have those, have those feelings, and, and justifiably so. I want to set that off to the side for a minute, and I want to just consider a similar situation. Um, and if you consider the situation, see if your feelings don't shift a little about what Lot did. Imagine that God invites fallen humanity to a feast at his table. And in the middle of the feast, Satan and all of hell show up with him and surround the banqueting hall. Give us your guests, they declare, they are mine. I have rights to their souls, to their lives, to do with as I please. And God stands up and intervenes and steps out and says, no, rather take my son. Was never sinned and do to him what you want but as for these they have come under the protection of my house touch them not isn't that what god did for us it is Who's was the host he's the host and david declares this begins to say Yes, there is a relational place where he protects. And yes, there is a relational place where he provides. But oh, he has reserved a place for those who would come to his banqueting table and rest and know him as host. And we're going we're gonna to consider that, what that looks like, what David is saying in Psalms 23. In Genesis, we have a lot displaying the essence of a host as broken as the story is, but in Psalms 23, we're seeing the heart of God put on display as our host and we're being given an invitation to know him in the most intimate way. And now we're equipped to move in and truly consider the host of Psalms 23. Father, we thank you. God, you, we're with you. We're, we're with you, God. There's that place that you offer us. And we look and we go, yeah, Jesus. Jesus, he's my friend. Jesus, he saved me. Jesus, he does this. Jesus, he does that. And God, you, you allow us that place. But now that's not your greatest desire for us. And there's the places that you stand up and you say, hands off. They're with me. They're with me. And you're rod and your staff, your protection and your correction come to us and they comfort us. But then there's the place where you are the host. You say, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours and I will give all that I have for you. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Father, we thank you for that place. We. We really can't even imagine it, God. we really can't comprehend it. When we put our hands on it, we tend to twist it and distort it, but it's a real place that you call us to, a place of, of rest, and we want to know you in that rest. Your word says, be diligent to enter that rest. So Spirit of Christ, we ask that you would lead us step by step in the path of how you see it in your understanding. God, that you would enable us and give us the grace to to yield up to you the areas of our life that have been under our control, that have protected us. God, that we would relinquish ourselves into your care as host, and that we would learn to rest in your presence because you said that's where salvation has really been completed is in repentance and rest is your salvation but to your own people you said but you would have none of it father we repent and take a posture of repentance God give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what you're doing that we would turn to you turn away from our way of doing things and turn to you Say, God, how do we become aligned with who you are and what you're doing and and how you work and where you're leading us in each day? We want to know you in the greatest ways that you've made available. Not because we deserve it, but because you want to do it. You said, come to my table. I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemy." Oh, God, God, give us the grace to receive the humility to receive what you have done for us and what you desire to do for us in this finished work, what you've prepared for us. We thank you for it. And I pray for each one this week that you would guide, that you would protect, that you would heal. God, open our eyes, see the host, give us a heart that is willing to be where you are. We thank you for all these things. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.